Hey everybody, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and, and Rust Belt Startup, if you don't know, it's a, uh, it's a podcast full of long-form conversations with educators, artists, entrepreneurs, people that are living unconventional lives in unconventional locations. Glad you're here, and, and been doing more monologue episodes too recently, and I've got a few of those uh, uh, coming up, so I uh, don't know uh, what the reaction is. You guys like the, the shorter ones, the longer ones better? Um, today, uh, getting back into, into the long-form interview conversation racket, which is uh, really where I like to be. So hope everybody's doing okay. Hope, hope everybody's uh, uh, enjoying some of the sunshine, uh, wearing a mask, uh, being safe. Uh, making their voices heard. If you're going out, I hope you're going out and supporting some causes uh, that mean a lot to you. And uh, and and let's uh, let's get some let's get some boots on the ground and and uh, and turn the voices up loud still and uh, and and keep keep the pressure on. A lot of it's been a heavy time, man. It's been a heavy time. And uh, and I know the last episode was really heavy. That was me just kind of kind of thinking and. Um, I've had some time to think and put some things together, and now I think it's kind of it's turning those thoughts into action, into positive momentum, into into moving moving the ball, moving the ball. And hope you are too. Hope you're reading. Hope you're watching things that are important, things that'll challenge your thinking. Hoping that you're you're doing your part to make Black Lives Matter wherever you are, in all different ways, and. Uh, and my hope is that uh, uh, we continue we continue to, 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 to make some progress, move this conversation forward. So today on the podcast, it's, it's a little lighter. And uh, this is a conversation that I'm having with um, a colleague of mine by the name of Bernie Freitag. And Bernie is a gentleman that I used to actually work with a, a, a while back at a wonderful creative agency called Romanelli Communications. He is the creative director there. And, um, and Bernie is also an artist and has recently become a published author. Uh, he has a new book called Find Wonder in the Ordinary. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like a, uh, like a memoir mashed up with, uh, with New Yorker cartoons. And, um, we talk about the book. We talk about, uh, 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 mostly we talk about creativity and, how he thinks about being creative and how do you how do you be creative when when being creative is part of your job how do you then still make room for creativity outside of the uh, outside of your job um and we talk about writing a book and setting goals and kind of his process and and everyone's everyone's process is different you know and i I love learning more about um uh, how different people harness that that creativity and uh and 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 make stuff that they're that they're proud of. So, um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It's it's good to get get back into the interview, uh, the interview scene. I hope to have a few more of those coming your way soon. And I truly do appreciate y'all sticking with me uh, as I I do episodes every now and again. And uh, uh, without further ado, uh, this is my interview with Bernie Freitag. When COVID started, it just I honestly just put it all on hold. Yeah. Um, and that was just a conscious thing. I just wanted to pay attention to what was going on. Um, and I've been writing smaller things, just observational things. And I'll probably, I'm probably going to post one tomorrow or Wednesday that I've been working on. Um, very different than what I've ever written before. Yeah. Um, just, I kid around that I hear voices. So um, when I hear voices and you got to get it out. So um I went out, I did a songwriting retreat now, now it was like five years ago, but, um, out in, on, in this farm in Ohio and, uh, the, the the musician that I was studying with for a few days was kind of was in the same thing. He was talking about like that you're, you're basically, you, you, you as a writer or as a creative, you, you carry around a butterfly net and your job is to just look for things to catch. Absolutely. And, and you don't necessarily That's know what you're going to do with them. You just, you just have to catch them and then you'll figure it out what it means later on, but being just always having your net ready. That is know? a great analogy. Um, I look at it in a similar way. It's like, you're just picking up rocks, you know, and picking up things and putting in your pocket, yeah. you know, you're just collecting things and, um, are, are, have we started? <laughs> yeah, we've started. What, you All know, right, cool. <laughs> I aspire, I aspire to be like the, the Marin thing maybe where it just kind of coasts in at some point right, where he cool. finds that something's yeah. going. You, you should just leave this part in like us talking about starting. Oh yeah, no, totally. Leave it all in. 
You um, know what happens sometimes is like sometimes I'll start a, a, a conversation and it takes like 20 minutes. But and I'm like, <laughs> this is all I was like, oh, we're going to start now. And yeah, then, yeah. and it's just terrible. Like, it's just terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. Say, the guest is start, terrible. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, I, well, you know, I mean, working on and video shoots and all yeah. that is like, once you say we're recording, they yeah. just clam right up. Yeah. Um, so I totally get that. I um, just start recording and I've, I will, I'll drop in when it's, when it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, what, I, what I was going to talk about is uh, there's a book called Big Magic by elizabeth gilbert yeah and i didn't even know at the time i was reading that book how it would affect me later in life and i i probably read it four or five years ago and i totally forgot even reading it like not forget but i just it was like it pushed in the back of my brain but that does an incredible job telling you how creativity works in her and her eyes and i believe the way that she uh, pl- plays it out. And she says, you know, the universe kind of puts little clues out there for you and it's up to you to pay attention to them. Um, and you can pick them up and take them with you. Um, you could pass it to someone else, you know, and, and I, I firmly believe in that. Uh, and she tells this great story about she started a book and she met another writer and at a conference or something and they hugged and then she went on and then she just couldn't finish the book. And she saw this person like a year later and they pretty much wrote that book hmm. and it got transferred to them somehow. And they finished you know, it. Yeah. And it she didn't tell her anything about yeah. the book. It just kind of like it got transferred. So is there a spiritual quality to creativity? Yeah, I think there is. And um, at times at the most, uh, crazy times you know go for a walk or go into the bathroom you have this aha moment and like where does that come from i think it's because you turn off your brain and it just like something just enters so i think it has a really interesting uh flow in 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 life that that we don't know much about you know and it's just do i i believe in it i don't have any proof in it but I believe in it. It's like, I don't need to know how the internet works. I just need to know that it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess it's similar. Yeah, I guess it's very similar. I just yeah. want to push the button and have Bernie pop <laughs> yeah, just up have on it. the other end, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's a miracle what's happening. It's been very complicated. I think a lot of people feel that way and they never really think about it. Like, why isn't it not working? <laughs> so where, yeah. where do you, like, um, if, if, if we, if we back up, as long as I've known you, you've always been in a creative role. Has that been kind of your, um, career trajectory since the drop or were you doing, were you like selling insurance for years before you were like doing something? No, I, I think, um, it's funny cause after writing the book, you know, and while writing the book, I mean, it's, it's in a way it's my life story and in a lot of ways it's not. Um, but it makes, made me look back on my whole life. And I think I've lived a creative life from the get go. Um, and there's a story in the very first chapter about me drawing in the back of the station wagon, uh, it was six years old and my sister was watching me draw and she was like, wow, I can't believe you can do that. And I was just copying Disney characters and that praise from her, you know, I think that just put me in a, 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 a direction to always be creative. And it was just, that was my path from six years old and possibly earlier, if I can remember that far back. But uh, I think I slowly, slowly, slowly have, have always been in that, in that realm. And uh, until probably a little more recently, like the last 10 years or so, I really didn't embrace it uh, fully. Um, I think in the last 10 years or so, I've embraced it more and more and more, um, by drawing more and what happened, um, like what, what's, what's the, what's the, the trigger, the catalyst, the catalyst. Um, yeah. oh, I, th- I think again, first chapter of the book, I, I talk about a bike accident. I, I had a head trauma injury where I wasn't wearing a helmet and, uh, through the recovery of that, I think I, I rediscovered that six year old kid, you know, and I just kind of followed that clue and went in that direction, not even knowing what I was doing. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but I think that was my path. Um, 
And yeah, it was just um, from that point, uh, it was just like through recovery, I really didn't pay much attention to what I was doing, but I was drawing more. And I, over the years, more and more and more and more and more. And like, and then one year I started drawing cartoons for the Clinton Courier. And then I started uh, submitting cartoons to the New Yorker, uh, all that had been rejected. Um, but I, I want to get I've back su- to that. So, I, so I've, submitted, that. Yeah. I've submitted probably over a hundred at this point, um, all being rejected. And, uh, and the nicest rejection you could possibly get. Is it the same I mean, rejection just, every time? Well, it, it used to be a little card. Yeah. They used to send you, cause you used to have to like print them out and like yeah, mail them in and you would get back uh, a little card, a little card. And I have them here someplace, these little white cards. And it said, thank you for much for the consideration of submitting or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, God, that is the nicest rejection I've ever gotten in my life. And then I think when, after that, it, you get addicted to it. Like you, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't care how I got a connection with them. I just was happy to, to hear back. And, I, and one, I actually had a handwritten note. Great job. Keep up the good work. And I was like, holy shit, they wrote something, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, you're on the path. And now it's, all, now it's all digital and you don't yeah. hear anything. You just, you get a rejection. Um, I mean, I don't know what happens when you get accepted. <laughs> Maybe bells and whistles or something. Um, but yeah, like, like uh, but I haven't submitted one. I actually, I submitted one last week, probably the first one I've submitted in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of those cartoons went in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, my last, I have to think about this, but probably, uh, we're coming up on two years where I started the book. Um, and it took me nine or 10 months to fully complete it and get it published and get it out. Um, and I would say I'd have to look through and maybe, maybe half of the cartoons or maybe a little less than half were rejected uh, New Yorker cartoons. We're, so when you're submitting to something like the New Yorker, so full disclosure, my wife and I get the New Yorker, love the New Yorker, mostly, yeah. mostly love the New Yorker. Some, some of it, I used to be one of those guys that would read it cover to cover every week. And now it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's hard. Some, it's just a lot, yeah. it's a lot to read. Yeah. But um, sometimes I feel like um, some of the strongest parts of the New Yorkers are the, are the cartoons and some of the weakest parts of the New York <laughs> the cartoons. Like yeah. I've seen some bad cartoons in there. Yeah, and so yeah. when you're like, Oh, I, I've gotten rejected a, a bunch of times. Do you, um, do you, are you create, let's, let's use an example of, of, of the, the pieces you've submitted to the New Yorker, mm-hmm. which I guess maybe, maybe goes towards the larger question of, do you create for, the audience or, do, or in that particular case, are you creating where you're like this, this, I'm going to, I'm going to make a New Yorker cartoon or you're like, I'm going to make what I make. And this may be suitable, suitable for the New Yorker. I think it, when I first started, I was doing it for them. I was trying to get into the mindset of the viewer. Um, and that's, I worked, I've worked in advertising for God, I don't even know how long, 25, 30 years or whatever. So that is always on your mind. Like what is the end user going to experience? And I think I got to a point probably a couple of years into submitting that I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to start doing it for myself. And I, and that's when things kind of transitioned to a book because I was just doing stuff that I was happy with for myself. And I thought were pretty damn funny <laughs> and I wanted to use them someplace else. Um, so yeah, um, some of them, I would probably say uh, probably about the halfway point is where things kind of shifted, mm-hmm. um, probably 50 or so. in, I was just like, ah, screw it. I'm not going to try to do it for them anymore. And then my style changed a little bit. So I started creating my own style and that could be why they're rejected too. I know they reject things based on how they will reproduce. So mm. But they don't tell you that. So it's just kind of a blind thing. And uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, right. Do you, do you, um, so when it, when it came to, well, I guess I'll get to, I'll get to the, the book in, in, in a little bit. Um, you know, thinking about kind of, kind of creativity in general, you know, you, you talk about starting in the, in the back seat of the car and, uh, and then everything kind of transitioning and, and eventually I'm assuming, did you go to like uh, do you get formal training? Did you go to art school, design school? Like what'd you do? Well, 
when I, well, obviously when I was a kid, I did not. I just, oh, right, I, right. I just was drawing and I probably most, I usually tell people that I'm mostly self-taught and that's true to an extent. You know, I've taken a lot of art classes in high school and that and all that, but I eventually, you know, for college, I went to design school. So I went for advertising design at MV and then I went to RIT for graphic design. Okay. Um, I did a little bit of drawing classes within there, um, but nothing to the extent of what I've created since then. Um, and so a lot of it was just paying attention to what else is out there and how did they do that um, and try to do it and try to redraw it and redraw it and redraw it until I get the style that I want. And I think I got to a point where I was just like, I want to create something that I like, you know? And so I love pen and ink on paper. I love it. And um, to me, there's nothing like that because I tried painting and I tried mm -hmm. other things, but there's something about pen on paper for me. It's just so natural. And then I made a leap uh, about two years ago to an iPad where the technology is there now Yeah, where it just feels the same. And it, I'm, I'm oh, with you, man. It's my notes. Yeah. Notes. Yeah. It's right here. <laughs> it's right on top there. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just, uh, um, I forget what the question was, but no, it was, it was, it was, you, you had some, you had some formal, a little bit of formal training, but yeah, that's um, right. Um, a little bit, but not, not to the extent of some people have. Yeah. So I guess to go into, you know, bringing things back to creativity at one of the challenges, speaking of Liz Gilbert, one of the things that I, there was this acumen, this workshop she did for acumen. There's this video. Um, it's like an eight minute video. I'll, I'll try to link it up in the show notes. And she talks about the difference between, um, a hobby, a job, a career, and a vocation. And, uh, you know, the cliff notes are like, is a hobby, you know, your hobby is, is a, where the stakes are zero. A job is just like you're exchanging time and expertise for money. Like you don't have to love it. It's just a job. It is, it's literally just a value exchange. Mm -hmm. A career is really um, a job that you, that you love. Like you're, you're willing to give more of yourself than um, what is ex expected mm -hmm. for the value exchange. Mm -hmm. And a vocation is like the thing probably that she talks about in big magic, which is that the, the universe is conspiring to that. It's the thing that you are wired to do and yeah. no one can take it from you. Um, you have to figure it out, but understanding the difference between that hobby job career vocation is a place where a lot of people get tripped up and it can be the cause of a lot of um uh unhappiness where you know thinking that you have to love exactly what you do i long long story that or long i guess intro to this question is like you know at what point do you do you as a creative you ultimately if you want to do creative work you're going to marry that with commerce in some way mm -hmm. and um you know, how do you, how have you gone about reconciling the art with the commerce where you still, <laughs> where you still feel like, um, you know, you still, you still create for fun. Right. But I know I was talking to Devin Mahoney, um, uh, who runs the uptown and he was talking about, um, being in the writer's room and he's like, some of these people there, it's the jobs that you aspire to have writing for these like network televisions. And you're like, they're the most miserable bastards you've ever met. <laughs> they hate their life. They want to kill themselves, <laughs> you know? And like, how does it get from this thing? And then you reach the mountain and you're like, this is horrible. Oh, that's, uh, it's a loaded question too, by the way. It is a loaded question because um, going back to Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, what I do for my job, that's my career. Yeah. That is my career. I do like my job. It's incredibly creative. Uh, it's challenging. I always tell people it's never boring ever. Like I've never, I'm never twiddling my thumbs. I'm solving problems all day. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not creating my work, I'm right. creating their work. So that's where, that's where it ends as far as the, the pleasure of it. It ends with like, it ends at five o'clock or whenever I go home uh, and where the pleasure re-enters is what I do in those hours after work or before work with uh, drawing or cartoons or writing uh, uh, I find incredible joy in that. Um, and I don't, 
I don't, I'm lucky that the book was a success where I, I made more than I spent on it. Um, but, uh, outside of that, it was an incredible success for me to actually produce something like that. I never thought I would write a freaking book. I mean, I honestly never thought that in a million years. So, uh, to get to that level, um, creatively is a huge achievement for me. And like now, um, I write for fun. Um, I wrote something just recently, uh, and I shared it with a couple people. I shared it with my parents cause it has a little bit of my upbringing in it and I wanted their take on it. And my mother said, well, what are you going to do with this? And I said, I think this has become my hobby. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm just doing this because it's a creative outlet. You know, it's just something that I find incredible joy in. And I found that if, if I go for a period of time and I haven't drawn anything, I start getting a little antsy and kind of miserable. And like, I just, it fills that void, you know, and writing has done that for me lately as well. So it's, it's kind of cool that, that those things have, have met uh, in that would you call it my in my within my vocation yeah yeah <laughs> do you think that um do you think that you do better work um on the client side when you're doing a lot of your own work or it like is there is there um is there a limited amount of gas in the tank i guess is what i'm saying right and that gas is no no there's not okay. no there's not i think it, uh earlier in my career i would say yeah Cause I, I used to be the guy that said, well, man, I just do too much creative during the day to do that at night. Like I just, I'm mm -hmm. spent. Um, and now it, to me, it's like a drug and it's just so like, then how, what happened? how do you turn that on? Cause I think a lot of people, I, 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 I get that way. If I'm, if I'm coding or programming during the day, yeah. it's the last thing I want to do at night, but I, I love it, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, it's a tough thing that I think that's a really tough thing to teach and a tough thing to say, like, how do you turn it on and off? Because it is, um, it, it isn't always on or off. I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's sometimes it's situational. Uh, a lot of times I'll just go for a hike in the woods, um, you know, take the dog, uh, go for a bike ride, um, and things will come and I'm like, all right, I got it. I go back to it. Uh, but there's sometimes I don't do anything and it's just like, I have no inspiration. Well, what was me kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you're, you're but, talking about your own personal work. How, yeah. What happens if that happens on a, on the client side? Oh, you don't have a choice when it comes to the client side of things. Um, what, what do we say? We usually say it's, uh, um, cause it, you can't wait for inspiration, right. uh, when it comes to the client side. Um, so, so you're, you brute force it, it at that point. You do, and it's 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 becomes an experience. Like yeah. it's uh, the more you do it, the more you used to uh, kind of working your way around it uh, or through it. Um, so yeah, it's that is uh, it's tough to say that because and, and but there's times when inspiration uh, will happen at the last second, and I yeah. hate when that happens because then the deadlines get shorter. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been through that too. Um, but it, it, uh, it, it, it always works out. And I say that at work all the time because, you know, we, we do, we can panic. Uh, and I'm like, guys, it's, it's always going to work. It always works out. We always figure it out. Uh, and we do. And it just kind of like you turn the corner and you, you see another street that you didn't think was there and, uh, you figure it out. Um, we've never, I've never fallen flat on my face, uh, creatively. Um, I mean, I've definitely gone up against some clients that have been difficult, but we always pull through in the end somehow. Who have they been? I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Speaking of those loaded questions. Um, well, you know, how do you, I guess on, the, on that creative end to, to dig a little bit more on there, how do you deal with rejection? It's one thing to deal with the rejection from a New Yorker where the stakes, the stakes are effectively zero, right? I love your questions, by the way. <laughs> they are awesome. Oh yeah. It's just selfish. I'm just, I'm just genuinely curious because I, I have very thin skin when it comes to this stuff, right? Like I, you know, like with music or whatever, like I, I make, I just make it cause I want to make it. 
And like, I want to think that even yeah. this podcast, right? Like I'm doing it for me, but I really want people to like it, you know? And <laughs> yeah, I can go out exactly. and be like, oh, I don't give a shit if anybody likes it. I care. I do care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's gotta hurt still. Right. If they're like, yeah, you, you, you know, you it always hurts. Turn it on and they're it like, always ah, hurts. it's not at all. Yeah. It always hurts. And you do, you kick the can and you, you do whatever you can to kind of, um, let go, you know, let the frustration out. Um, because it, it, it always stings a bit because you want the client to share your vision. Um, and when they don't, you're like, well, is it my fault or is it, are they just not seeing what I'm seeing, you know? Um, and sometimes I have to swallow my ego and say, okay, you tell me like what, what's wrong with what we have, or tell me what you think you want, you know, and try to work it that way and try to get to the right conclusion. Um, but it always stings a little bit. Um, especially at first, but sometimes I'm like, all right, I, we've got this, we've got time. Let's figure it out. Um, do you ever stay and fight on it? Fight the client yes. on it? Yeah. Yeah. And, when do you and make, some, how do you make that and every And every once in a while I win. Mm -hmm. um, but it's pretty rare. Um, and then you got to pick your battles too. You know, yeah. what? what is the most important um, side of something? And sometimes you're like, well, does the client's opinion, does it affect the campaign that much? Like, is it going to kill it if, if they they go we go with their route rather than ours yes or no um it all always depends um so yeah. i guess to to even go a little a little bit farther <laughs> on that like it, you know so there's there's the when to stay and fight and and when when to give up but there have been and and when I was working with you on, on some projects, I, you know, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, nor, nor would I name names, but there have been some client wishes on campaigns that are, that are demonstrably worse than, <laughs> than what was um, brought forth. Like, like yeah. unequivocally a, a, a much worse idea. Like yeah, <laughs> man on the street is going to go, this is horrible. Yeah. And you know, how do you, how do you as a creative, because at the end of the day, it's still, you still put your name on it, right? Like it's still, that's not a necessarily. <laughs> okay. All right. So how do you, how do you address that? Or how does the agency? Address eventually that? you have to let your, you eventually have to, um, to let yourself go from it. Like okay. to, I guess, disown it. Um, and not, uh, basically you cut the cord or, you know, you detach yourself from it. From the campaign um, or you fire the client? You, uh, detach yourself from the campaign. Okay. Um, you know, it's, I don't think we've, I, if I really think about it, I could probably think of some clients we walked away from, Yeah. but it's pretty rare. Um, most of the clients we've had are pretty reasonable and we'll hear things through. Um, and sometimes, like I said, it gets to the point where like, well, that's what the client wants. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They want Swallow Uncle Joe and... to deliver those lines. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. How do you, how do you get better? One of the things that I hear in working with with um, startups and entrepreneurs, and I've I've been through this too for a long time, still go through it sometimes on a freelance basis, is you get terrible clients when you're mm -hmm. first starting out. How do you get better clients? Um, unfortunately, you got to kind of sell your soul a little bit. And you have to, a lot, a lot of the better clients that we've had over the years, we kind of cut our prices and, you know, we really want to work with you guys. We believe in your brand. What can we do for you kind of thing? So you kind of really sell yourself. Uh, and I could name a couple of those clients. I'm not going to, but I could uh, because they were fun, fun clients to work for. And that, that's the type of stuff that you want to, you want to do. And that's the stuff that keeps you happy. And then you got the clients that pay the bills. Yeah. You know, um, and that's obviously very necessary. Um, and we, we are showing, we show results on those clients. So, um, we don't, uh, try not to put anything out there that doesn't make any sense, uh, when it comes down to the core of it. Um, but how do you then, um, I guess, how do you attract some of those clients that you want to work with? Is it really outbound where you're going, Hey, we'd love to work with you or is a lot of it inbound? 
Or what advice would you have for someone that, that is trying to get cut their teeth on this to get better work? Uh, kiss up to them. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a couple of clients that we've gotten over the years, the fun clients that I just, yeah. I visited their location and I, I use their product until they trusted me enough to, to work with me. Like they, they saw that I was really interested in what they were producing. And so it worked out for both of us. Yeah. Um, um, unfortunately, I don't think I've ever had it work to the extent of all of a sudden I'm working for, you know, you know, an airline or something like that. But, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm the type of person. I like the smaller places anyway. I wouldn't even want to do a campaign for an airline right now, man. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> worst, <a> pretty... <laughs> worst example ever. Um, but uh, Trump campaign would be worst example ever right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we're just gonna. Yeah, let's not go there. All right. All um, right. <laughs> I won't, unless, you I won't. Ha- unless you have another hour. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> it was a um, reflex. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What questions do you ask clients to give you a better sense of what they're after? Well. Oddly enough, I don't meet with a lot of clients. Um, so that's a tough question for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the clients that I do meet with, I, I do tend to ask, where do they want, where do they want to take their brand? Who, you know, and if they want to be, you know, round town is the, you know, you know, whatever product that they're selling, you know, they want to sell it to the neighbors, we're probably not right for them. You know, if you want to elevate it and you want that, that look and feel that is going to position yourself outside of your neighborhood. Um, I think that's where we become uh, very attractive to, to the clients because you only have one. The first impression is, is the best impression. And so if you're going to try to get your product uh, either, you know, throughout the state or regional, you want it to look regional or or big national yeah. yeah you want that you want that appearance uh from the get-go and when you don't have that um i'm pretty blunt about that if mm-hmm. i and especially with a client that is kind of a long shot that we're going to work with i'll tell them flat out like you need work you know yeah. um yeah so nothing, get nothing a, to lose nothing to lose so yeah you can be a little bit stronger in that in that critique. Um, one more question and then we'll talk about the book, which is um, for, for younger creatives or people that are um, that have that creative streak, whether that's, you know, illustration, whether that's everyone, I think everyone that is a creative wants to do creative work. And what advice would you give to people to try to position themselves to either, you know, work with an agency um, like, or like Romanelli or, um, or, or to, or to get, be able to make a living doing creative work. Are there, are there things that you, you guys get a lot of resumes, you probably get, uh, I remember getting asked a lot of internships and stuff while, while, while I was there. What would you tell people in, in the creative space to do right now? Um, I would tell them uh, one, uh, the probably the most important thing is not be lazy. Don't, you know, um, don't just like th- throw a resume to a place. If you're creative, be creative, you know? Um, and that's, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. If I get a, a resume from anyone creative without any mention of their work or a link to their portfolio or pieces of it, I, and I can't tell you how often that happens. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that just goes right in the trash. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're creative, show me you're creative. Um, so that's, that's, that's number one. And, um, and again, going on the same laziness, uh, suggestion, show me that you can do work, you know? Um, and if you do get an internship, uh, don't sit around and, be happy that you're working in a creative agency. So do the work, um, find out how you can be helpful, uh, read the signs and, and 
read ahead in the script, like how to be helpful is to, to not ask too many questions and just do some stuff and say, I, I, when I got home today, I did this and I brought it back in, you know, uh, and like I mentioned earlier, like I, I don't think you turn off creativity. I think it's got to stay with you. Um, and I wake up in the morning. That's the first thing I'm thinking about. Like, what, what am I going to be doing today? At some point, I'm going to draw. I'm going to write. I'm going to do something. When's going to happen? You know, I got to get a workout in. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I got to figure all that out. And I'm thinking that right up until nine nine thirty at night uh, when I close my eyes. You know. Um, so I think I, I'm very, uh, turned on, I guess, by people who take that initiative, you know, and just, and just plow through something, um, creatively. Who, who are you, um, kind of transitioning into the, into book stuff? Um, who, who are the, the people that you are spend time with creatively um are there are there people that you that are other artists that are in your network designers are there people that you surround yourself that help you to get better how do you how do you try to um level yourself up is there a process that you have wow, that's, that's, that's a, unique that's to a, you that's a really good question um because i don't know that i have specific people um but all of my friends my close friends are creative in some way um, and I wouldn't say like, you know, one's not, you know, not like one's a painter and one's a, you know, a sh- you know whatever, but they're all, yeah, they, yeah, I don't, wouldn't look at it that way, but they're all creative in their, in their mindset. They have open minds. And I, I, I love that about my friends. Uh, but I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of people I see every day that are like that other than the people I work with. So I do pull a lot from those people, um, which is, it's important to, to keep yourself open to those ideas that those people have, even the people that don't work in the creative side of the business. Um, and I think that's a big, not to get too much on a soapbox, but agencies can be too segmented where creative is on one side and account is on the other side and media is over here and they, they don't talk to each other. And that's an old school mentality. Um, and that was probably the way it was when you worked with us. Um, I think it was just shifting. I think it was just shifting. Yeah. Like, I think you, we were going through that. this and you, you did this and yeah, starting to change it. I think that's uh, shifted uh, since then. And it's gotten to a point where we're, we're much more open to everyone else's idea ideas. And, um, it used to be, uh, you don't question creative. That was an right, old right. school thing to say. And I actually remember at some point, maybe, uh, three or four years ago saying to people in the office, like that, we got to throw that shit out. Like that mentality has got to go away. Um, and it did, it did. So it, it opened things up a lot more. Yeah. Well, let's Did I answer about, the question at all? I don't it, even know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I get so far down an answer and I'm like, I don't remember what the question was. I, 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 I did an interview for, and you're uh, probably sitting there going, I don't remember. Anything. I don't remember what I asked, but that's, <laughs> that's, you know, I'm not Barbara Walters, you know? So it's, this is designed to be a conversation. You're not going to ask me like what my favorite, uh, you know, nighttime beverages or whatever, anything. No, I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't assuming care. It's, I don't care. Like, I'm assuming it's beer. Care. I'm assuming it's a beer. Actually it's not. I oh, Okay, well it's now te- you have this. Now you have to say it. It's te- it's tequila. Tequila. Okay, clean clean drinking. Yeah, just a little um, bit. Let's let's talk about the book a little bit. The the book um, is called Fine Wonder in the Ordinary, and and uh, uh, thanks for the the early copy. I felt uh, I felt felt. Oh, uh, that was cool. Thank you for uh, uh, volunteering. No, no problem, man. Um, I felt like it was part memoir, part New Yorker. You know, it was like, it was like <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a very unique format. Um, Thank you. I actually found out, and not to cut you off, yeah, I yeah. found out recently that it's considered creative nonfiction, oh. yeah, or cool. it's a it's a type of memoir okay. where it's called creative nonfiction. creative nonfiction. I just found that out. 
Huh. And I liked it. I was like, wow, I like that. Yeah. I really like that title. Especially, I think, I don't know, I feel like if, um, I'm going just, you know, marketing geek now, but like, if that's a thing and not a lot of people <laughs> know about it, you got to own that search. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe yeah. I should rename the book. Just go buy the domain, you know, like the number one, you know. <laughs> Creative nonfiction for adults. Nonfiction, yeah. <laughs> um, why a book? I mean, you know, there are so many other mediums and I'm not hating on it. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. Like why did you decide to do it? No, it's a good question. It's a good question. I, I don't, this might be a really long answer. I don't even know, but I had this idea of find wonder in the ordinary at one point. It actually happened. I actually have it written down in my calendar. It was like five years ago. I had the specific day I was doing these sketch a day things. I was doing quotes and I wanted to start doing my own quotes and I came up with fine wonder in the ordinary. And it was, it was the way that I, or it is the way that I view life in that there's so much really natural wonder in the world that we forget about as we grow older, you know, that, that childhood wonder is kind of pushed out of us. And, um, and so I, I had this idea I started a blog I bought findwonderintheordinary.com and I started this blog and I started writing these blogs and they were okay. You know, it was, it was nothing thrilling about them, but they were fine, but they were right along the lines of what I wanted to do. And, uh, not telling the whole story, but I had kind of a spiritual awakening moment, uh, on, it was actually on a native American land in Utah. And the, the, I know that sounds out there, but it actually, that moment, I kind of saw the connection of everything around us, uh, person to person, the universe and health, everything is connected. And it got me thinking more and more about fine wonder than the ordinary. And I was on the plane ride home. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't think anybody's going to make sense of what fine wonder in the ordinary means until it's a book. And I was like, well, who the hell is going to write that book? <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I should start writing it and see where it goes. So that, that was, that is the honest the tr to God truth of how the process kind of went through. And then I just, uh, I started writing and I write, I started writing. I wrote for, probably three months straight and I'm like holy shit I think it, I think I actually have the makings of a book and at that time it was probably 15 chapters and it just kind of like it grew from there and uh and I th I think if you go even further back like as a kid I was such a book nerd like I would I was always reading books and so I've always had this kind of little probably way back in my brain that god I would love to be an author someday that would think to be cool as hell but i just never could really wrap my head around the um the monstrosity that a book is you know like yeah. it's a it, it's a huge undertaking and what i wrote is not nothing near to what a novel is you know right. where you're creating your own characters and everything else so um yeah so that's why that's why a book I, I had that, I had that idea and I, I had, and I had a story within myself uh, as far as the things I've gone through in the past 20 years. And it all kind of connected to this overarching theme of find wonder in the ordinary. It's one thing to have the idea for, um, it's one thing to have the idea for a book. It's another thing to start work on the book. Yeah. Uh, it's, and then it's, it's yet another thing to say, I've got this collection of, of stories. I've, I've, I've got the book and then, you know, it's like the hard part is then getting people to read the book. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, I see this not in, not in the, in the, not with, with books necessarily, but you know, I, I work with entrepreneurs and, and I, you know, I got an email today that is, uh, you know, from someone that is, I've just got this amazing idea for this, for this business It's going to completely change, um, change things. Well, 
the ideas aren't really worth anything because I, I meet a lot of people that when it comes down to the hard work of trying to do it, they're like, ah, forget it, forget it. So, yeah. you know, once you, once you start to, to put in that work, now the, the, the problem, the problem at hand, right. Is, um, you've got, there's still gatekeepers, right? Like you, you, did you, did you self-publish this? You went, you went through a publisher, you have an editor, you self-publish. Yeah. So well, there's, talk, there's, about, talk about that process. Yeah. And well, first of all, I want to say that um, I tell a lot of people that ideas are easy. Well, they are. I, they are. I had three they of them the, today. They are the easiest <laughs> part of the process. Yeah. And it shocks the shit out of people when I say that. They're like, what? Um, like, yeah, ideas are the easiest part. Yeah. That is like, and the follow through is the most difficult part of it. Um, and learning that over time is probably why I stuck with this. Um, and after I started writing the book, after I got back from Utah, I started writing the book. And oddly enough, <laughs> I bumped into. Kelly Watson, I think you know her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I bumped into her at a Mo show at the Cernak Brewery, and she she said uh, she goes, "Hey, she goes, I love your New Yorker rejections. You should publish a book on the New Yorker rejection." She goes, "I actually have started a publishing company, and we should talk." And I said, "We should talk, but I have a book idea that I want to run past you." Um, and one thing led to another, found out that Kelly, um, uh, is helping people publish books through Amazon, mm-hmm. through Kindle, uh, direct publishing. Yep. And that's basically the, the path I took. And Kelly was probably, I mean, she's an angel. She was sent from the heavens to help me create this book because she followed me through and she was she she would probably reject the fact that I called her I call her my editor because she, she didn't edit much uh, mm-hmm. she was more of a proofreader um, but she was my soundboard and uh, she took me by the hand and 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 took me with her to get this published um, could I have done it without her probably would it have been this book no not even close it wouldn't have been even close because of her guidance and just her open, um, just openness about where it could go. Um, so, uh, she helped immensely in the, uh, editing, I'll quote, quote that editing part of it. Uh, and she helped in the, uh, allowing me to understand the distribution part of it through Amazon and how to create a, I can't remember what we called it, but you were part of the, the review, campaign. the, yeah. yeah, the launch campaign. So you were part of that review process of posting a review. Um, and I was lucky enough where I had, I don't know, 17 people on the launch team and they all wrote a five-star review. Everyone liked the book and yeah, that, juice the algorithm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that, that, you know, continued, it continues to work for me in selling the book. I don't sell as much as I did when I, in the last year, but, uh, they are still selling. Um, I'm, and, um, I provide them for local stores, mm-hmm. uh, a couple local stores. Um, so I'm still selling it that way. Um, so yeah, it, it's just a, a step-by-step process. And I, what I really liked about the self-publishing process is that you don't have to you don't have to shop it to anybody. You don't have to deal with anybody else's opinion on it. It becomes what what you want it to be, um, and that's it's probably a, a huge gratification of me working on everyone else's stuff during the day <laughs> and yeah. doing something on my own, um, completely on my own and not having someone say, well, don't you think this should be here and this should be there and that should be, you know, whatever. Cover um, should be blue, Bernie. Yeah, be blue. exactly. And it was like every, every, every decision on the book ultimately was mine. And that, that's a cool feeling to have. 
What do you, um, you know, from, from the self-publishing perspective, it's kind of like, I mean, is, is the model similar to, um, back when I was, you know, doing music, we would, we would do, you know, it was, it was, you're, you're an indie band, you're an indie author, right? Basically. Right. And so, um, is it similar now where you basically Amazon is your, your digital, uh, distribution for Kindle, but then what about the hardcover? Is that very much like, um, you know, when we were doing, you know, Ruben James records where we, we buy a thousand of them for disc makers and we got to go sell them. Is it the same? Yeah. It's not the same. It's on demand. Okay. So totally what on demand. That, talk to me about that. What's that? So, like? So for, uh, if you, if you buy a book through Amazon, uh, it gets printed, bounded and sent to you. That that's how it one, works. One, 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 If I buy, I, I can buy a bunch and sell them, yeah. um, myself retail, basically. Yeah. It, retail. So I get it for X amount of dollars and then I mark it up and I sell it to, I don't even sell it to the bookstores. It basically, I get a percentage of what they yep. bring in. So, um, but yeah, it is a, an on-demand printing press. So you have nothing to lose. Have nothing the quality is great. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's great. The quality yeah. is fantastic. I mean, there's are some things that I would love. I would love a, an actual physical hard cover yeah, book sure like someday i would love this to be in a hardcover format but and you can you can have that the the, the pricing the is cost is yeah. not it's not worth it uh someday maybe <laughs> you never know yeah um and that would be cool i love the size of it like the size to me like i went back and forth on the size and kelly gave me a whole bunch of different books and I was like, this is the size. This is it's the what size it has of an iPad be. mini. It's like the perfect It is, it is. <laughs> and I have it right here. It's like it's uh, six by nine. Yeah. And it's like exactly because I um a lot of the books are five by seven, I think. And I was like, that's ah, just not big enough. I want I want those cartoons to be like yeah. huge. Um but yeah, that's that's it's all part part of the process of you know that that's what I envisioned. It's exactly what I envisioned. That's, that's the crazy thing. It's exactly. This is, I mean, this is, this is um, something that, you know, I guess I, I don't know that there's a question here, but it, I think it's a lot like music now where, um, you know, the, the bar has never been so low to get, to get into media and the bar has never been so high to get people to, to listen to or to watch or to listen or whatever. Right. Like yeah. it's really hard. Um, yeah. I was reading that my, my wife got me this book for my birthday is, is called do nothing. <laughs> Cause she's like, <laughs> you, you gotta just, you gotta slow down. It's a history of like work and why we work. Yeah. And but yeah. um, one of the things it was, was talking about was like the pace of um, the pace of work and, and how fast we are as a, I don't know, as a species getting, getting better at things uh, collectively. Mm-hmm. And it, it told the story about like, I can't remember what what the year was. It might have been like 1960 or something. It was like the 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 winning time for the Olympic marathon was this this time, right? And um, within 20 years, that winning time in the Olympics was now just the qualifying time to run Boston. And oh my god! Marathons, right? Like it's the bar is moving so fast, and all these mm-hmm. different things. It's harder. It's so much harder to be the best, or to yeah. or to find an audience. And so, uh, can you talk about some of the things that you did to try to, um, uh, develop and, and find an audience or some of the things that you're still doing? Oh, that's, that's interesting. I think, I think, uh, probably over the past six or seven years, I've been developing that audience mm-hmm. through posting a lot of my artwork. Um, posting my rejected cartoons. Um, I was doing a sketch day thing years ago and like I, that kind of got me somewhat of an audience. And I think that was a good start for it. Um, I don't think people really knew I could write. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think that developed after the book, was published and it came out and people started to comment on it and, uh, post reviews, um, that, that became a different thing at that point. Um, I don't know how much control I had over that and how much, uh, direction I had in getting people interested in that. 
Well, it sounds like you're talking about, at least out of the gate, it's really about quantity and a consistent, um, and, and showing your work is, is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, it, it really, like, it really established me as, as an artist. Um, not that my job didn't, uh, but my, my personal artwork because of social media, mm-hmm. like push, putting it out there, I, I mean, in the area, I, there's, there's a lot of people know me as an artist and that's, that's where I was when the book came out. And now apparently I'm known as an author and an mm-hmm. artist. So, um, which pleases me immensely. Um, but it also makes me feel like it's a totally different person they're talking about. Just um, get a leather jacket and a pipe. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and it's like on, on the book, uh, it says ramblings and doodles by Bernie Freitag. And it yeah. says that for a reason, cause I'm not comfortable with the title author and I'm not comfortable with the title of, of artist at, to a certain extent, because I'm a cartoonist at the, mm-hmm. at, at the, in the, at the heart. Um, I can draw you know, realistic stuff, but I'm not, that's not me. I'm a silly cartoonist weirdo. <laughs> so what do you think then about the route of, um, self-publishing versus publishing houses? I mean, it, you know, I, publishing houses are not going away. Right. But like the, the, the path to market is, is pretty, pretty straightforward now. I mean, are you, are you now, convinced when you look at the, uh, you know, and we didn't, and we didn't get into, and, and, and we don't have to get into the dollars and cents of this, but when you look at the economics of it, I know this is a passion project, but there are economics involved with this. Um, do the, do the numbers work for, um, I'll call them indie authors to go self-publishing? Uh, can it be economically viable? It's, that's a, that's tough to say, uh, because I don't know the other side of it, but mm-hmm. I've researched a ton of, a ton of stuff about getting your book published um, nationally or internationally. And it's, you know, it's a difficult thing to get into. So I went the other route because I had, I had something I wanted to get out there and, and that's why I went that route. Yeah. Um, And to really make a success of self-publishing of the work is up to you, you know? So you are, and I've done this a couple of times and they're great. Uh, You gotta, you gotta go to book signings. You gotta go to, you know, sell your book, uh, you know, arts and crafts events and um, do. uh, It's retail politics. It it totally is. It totally is. Um, And getting it published by a publisher, they take care of most of that for you. You're still doing you know? it. You're still, you're still doing it. it. You're yeah. still doing it. But the distribution is the different thing. You know, the distribution, they're going to get you in a bookstore and it's going to be on the shelf. Um, and they're going to get you interviews with Oprah and everything right. else, okay. yeah. you know? So the, the, um, which, you know, like I said, I did a lot of research on this stuff and I would love if someone uh, approached me and said, Hey, I read find one in the ordinary. I want to publish it internationally. That would be a dream come true. Uh, is it realistic? Probably not. Um, and like I've said, it's to me, it's a success right now. And it's something that I did that I always wanted to do. So, um, and yeah, it's a passion project, but you always want a little bit more, you know, it's, it's like your podcast, you know, you want people to like it. And you would love to be a, a, a minor success at it uh, or a major success at it. Yeah. You'll take, take whatever minor you success. Can get. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. You take whatever you can get. Um, but I think I was raised in a way where I'm never going to let that inflate my ego. And uh, I'm never going to get outside of, of where I came from and who I am. And um, I'm happy with what the book is. Well, look, I mean, I think totally you know, these happy. processes, regardless of the outcome, whether it's the book, whether it's the, the podcast, um, it makes you, it, it's going to exercise and develop a muscle. It might not be the muscle you thought you were going to Somebody's saying hey, what's Somebody's up? saying hi. <laughs> you know, My dog it, wants to go to bed. That's what she's doing. Oh, right that's it. She's huh? like, I want to go to bed. 
Well, let, let's 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 wind it down. Two no, two final no two final things. Yeah. No, it's good. I, I try to keep things around an hour anyway. Um, oh, good. I don't uh, even know how long it's been. Yeah, about, about an hour. Good. I got forty percent left on the iPad, oh, so I'm good. good. I'm solid. Um, what what uh, what are the last couple of of books that you've read, or who who do you? Who you I attention gonna, to? I knew you were going to ask that question. I don't care if it's books. It could be blogs, whatever. Who, who are you, well, who's I, occupying I, your creative space right now? Um, I have recently discovered, you're going to be like, what? You recently discovered this? I recently discovered Invisibilia. So oh, I've yeah, listened to, yeah. I've listened to just almost every single one of them over the past probably month and a half. Um, and I'm fascinated with that show. I'm way um, far behind. So, so I know I've known about it, but it's been, it's one of these things that keeps oh getting my pushed God. down it's because you want, I want to have focus when I'm doing it and I just never yeah. have the focus. So it's I just it. fascinating. That one, uh, listen to hidden brain a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, I, I am a sucker for Conan O'Brien's show. Um, his podcast. Show, he's got a podcast. Oh my God. It's fantastic. Huh. Everybody's, um, everybody has a podcast. Everybody. Yeah. Well, and, and Conan's probably one of the most popular ones out huh. there right now. And what I love about his show is it an interview podcast. Yeah. It's just the show. Us- it's interview. Yeah. He usually has somebody on, um, and it's usually a comedian and they talk about the comedic process mm-hmm. and, and comedic processes, it's observations, you yeah. know? And so it's the same as writing and it's mostly comedians, it's actors and stuff like that. So I really enjoy his show. And I, plus he's a, he's a goofball. Um, so that as far as podcasts, that's what I listen to. Um, as far as reading, I'm kind of all over the place, but uh, I am in the, <laughs> I'm on the tail end of a Stephen King novel, <laughs> which, which one? you're going to be like, Stephen King, really? No, I, um, I've, I read my first Stephen King novel two years ago. I, it did was, you? It was awesome. Yeah. Stephen King, I've been reading Stephen King since I was a kid, like it was a teenager. Yeah. And I rediscovered him probably seven or eight years ago. And um, I just cannot, I can't stop reading his books so what's like, it, it is, right it's now? A, i'm reading it oh see i thought about that yeah. and i got like there's a part of me i don't like scary movies at all and then um i'm like also it's like it's like a thousand pages isn't it i'm like that, it's that's gonna tw- like take 1200 a, pages i'm, a, I'm about 800 i'm about 800 pages in i don't know um, man. and a couple of years ago i read the stand which mm-hmm. is even longer um which is ironically about a global pandemic um Man. And I would hi- I would highly recommend uh, the Stand. The Stand is probably the best book I've ever read, hmm. hands down. Uh, it's and what I love about his books is that it's not it's not about for me it's not about the scary the horror stuff. To me, he's an incredible storyteller who can give me the inner thoughts of any character, and like to the point where I'm like, how the hell does he know all yeah, that stuff? Yeah. Um, and I actually, I would love to have a conversation with him at, you know, go to dinner or have a drink with him and say, are you like in touch with something like otherworldly? Because, I mean, I know that's what you write about, but you, the way he writes is just beyond any other writer I've ever Hmm. read. So uh, that's why I continue reading his stuff. Um, yeah. So read the stand. Right. It'll take I'll, you, it'll it take you eight or nine months, but oh, I know that's what I'm, <laughs> well, the, I'm and that's about. the thing. It is, it is a, it's, it's overwhelming to think of how huge that, right. that book is. And like I said, but right now I almost wish that I waited to read it mm-hmm. because of what's going on right now. I love how like, like, it's such an overwhelming thing to read. I'm like, how hard was it to write it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was like his third or fourth book. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The only one I read was the, the Kennedy one. Was it? Uh, oh, that one's great. That's was the fantastic. one that got me back. That's the one that got me back into reading. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Eleven twenty two sixty three. That's it. Yeah. Any anything else? Where can where can people find you online? Do you want people to find you online? <laughs> um, well, through the book stuff, you can find me. Uh, I do have a website, findwonderintheordinary.com. Uh, I don't do much there, um, but it also it'll bring you to. I'm on Instagram, find Wonder in the Ordinary, and I'm on Facebook. Same thing. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram uh, at Me Draw, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's real. That's real me. 
<laughs> that's 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 uh young and that, is that where you're posting young New Yorker rejections and all that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, cool. most most of my drawings will go there. Um, every once in a while, something will go to the fine wonder in the ordinary. Cool. Uh, that's pretty much it. All right, man. Well, I appreciate the time. It was good to see you. I was good and, to see you. I, uh, I I'm very appreciative of this time. I'm yeah, glad I know you liked, great. I'm glad you liked the book. Thank you for your uh, participation. No, I, the, I was uh, happy to do it. And I, I enjoyed cool. it, and I was I will I was not gonna like I did not know that that you could write. Like I was I was kind of <laughs> I, was, I was surprised. Like you want to read my book? I was like, you have a book? So like that was cool. So thank you. And we didn't and, even uh, talk about your mom. Your mom was the cutest. Like she was trying to track <laughs> down my book, yeah. and she she eventually got it at the old Forge Hardware store, yeah. which was cool. Yeah. yeah. No, she dug it. She dug it. We were up at uh, we were up at uh, at camp the other day, and it's it's up there on the on the. Oh, nice! Now, like, so. She was very sweet about it, and she wrote me a nice little uh, email afterward too. After My mom is the it. best. My mom is the yeah, best. Yeah, she's so. a very sweet, very sweet. Cool. Uh, well, then thank, I'll, I'll, thank her for me too. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will see you around, and I yeah. appreciate the time, man. It is good. I appreciate, I appreciate it, it, man. All right. <laughs> want to thank Bernie for joining me via Zoom. It's it's you know the 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 online interviews are good. I I got to say I prefer the uh uh the in person. I like I like being across from somebody. But uh but this is this is what it is right now. And uh and happy Bernie can make time to to chat with me um this evening. So and I thank you for tuning in too and as always would love your comments. Uh, you know, are you digging it? Are you, are you not digging it? Do you, do you want more of this podcast? Do you, do you want less of this podcast? Let me know. Uh, drop me an email, hello at rustbeltstartup.com or, or leave a comment, um, or a review and, uh, got a few other, uh, guests and a few other ideas in the, uh, uh, that are on deck and I'll have some more episodes to you guys very soon, but thanks a lot. Please stay safe out there and, uh, we'll see you next time.